Hello, and welcome to Analyzing Potter. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today's topic is why we're analyzing the books and not the movies. Since the dawn of cinema, you know, we've, we've seen movie adaptations of both popular and relatively obscure fiction. In some cases, the movies, they strive to, to stay true to the original work, while at other times, movies take a bit of creative license. So for those who read both the book and watch the movie, the, the movie is almost always a letdown. There's notable instances, though, where the movie is able to do something magical and add something to the overall tale that, you know, may have been harder to convey in the writing of that. Sometimes, uh, as with Brokeback Mountain, it's simply the encompassing scenery that provides the the subtle depth that the book just simply didn't have. Jaws uh, is another noteworthy addition, and it brought a, a great killer shark into the popular culture spotlight that, you know, otherwise would have remained pretty dim. The Shawshank Redemption, that's another good ad. Uh, and it's not that the movie was necessarily better, but rather that the movie was based on a Stephen King short story. So it could be read in just about the same amount of time as it could be shown on a screen. Silence of the Lambs, that also gets props, but that's primarily due to casting. Between Anthony Hopkins and his stellar performance of Hannibal Lecter, I mean, after all, we can't even read the book now without hearing Anthony Hopkins' smooth voice in our minds and that wonderfully eccentric performance by Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill. It's the actors in this one, the actors alone, who propel that movie beyond the book, which is still fantastic. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is another really noteworthy addition. You know, there were tweaks in the movie that paid off handsomely as Tom Hanks turned Forrest and his life into something just sweet and instilled goodness and something that's really beyond description. And lastly, I can't personally help but add the Lord of the Rings to that list. Between the, the epic scenery, the relatable characters, and just this perfect balance of, of story in you know, the dramatically tense scenes, the movie did for me what that classic book just couldn't. Um, part of it with the characters, I think, is there were so many characters that were named so similarly the visual element that I was provided definitely helped keep that completely on course rather than having a moment where Sauron and Saruman, you know, kind of feels like the same thing sometimes. And of course, you know, the, the ability that the Lord of the Rings movie franchise had is the ability to take multiple movies to tell this epic tale. And that really is what did it a lot of justice. Yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of other notable ads to this list. You probably have lots of of examples that you can think of where you read a book and the movie was sometimes just as good, but sometimes even better. So anytime that that happens, you know, that's going to be personal choice for a lot of us. So the the books that I've cited and the movies that, that were better, those are definitely my opinion. And my opinion is just one of, of billions. So it doesn't really matter a whole lot. But anyway, one series I will never add here is the Harry Potter series. The nature of books in and of themselves is immersive. Readers don't watch a story unfold. In a good book, you know, they literally, they become part of the story. They're living that story in their minds right along with those characters for a pretty decent time commitment. One could argue that a really good movie does the same thing. However, nearly always movies are something that we're viewing as a third person. So we may find ourselves immersed in that movie but on the flip side, we are still a third person outside of what those people are thinking in their minds. Rarely do we have an opportunity 
to really be privy to the thoughts and musings of those individual characters. Additionally, most movies, you know, they're just a couple of hours long. Books, those range the time spectrum. Let's take Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone as our first example. Movie one, which is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, is about two hours and 39 minutes long. The book, on the other hand, is just over 300 pages. To translate that, the audiobook rings in at just around eight hours of reading. So the time commitment alone, that demonstrates to us a level of detail provided by the book that you simply can't fit or even get into a movie. We could spend episodes, and, and I mean a few of them, breaking down all of the discrepancies that, that matter to the overall story of Potter between what was in the books and what was different in the movies. And, you know, we may do that at some point, but I will say that that's, that's not my current intent. In our analysis, the analysis of Potter, we'll explore the nuance of characters, some phrases, some settings, We'll discuss seemingly irrelevant things that we can trace forward or backward to crucial events or elements. While we may highlight uh, how a movie might skip or change or gloss over these items, the intent really is to show the depth that's hinted at and conveyed through the written words that we now call Harry Potter. We may from time to time reference other supporting facts and details from you know, either the author or the greater wizarding, excuse me, greater wizarding world, but one thing I can promise is definitely a wealth of exploration. So this is a, a brief a sort of mini podcast um, that just is explaining this entire series is primarily going to be based on the books. So now that we've chatted on why the books in our next episode, we'll dive into our first analysis. See you next week.